JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline, we got to hustle up here because Bob's got to go at about 15 after this hour. From the Athletic, Bob Kravitz is with us. So where are we going here? What's, what's going to take precedent here at 15 after? Oh, I, I just got to finish this column <laughs> about, about well, let, Let's yeah, help right I here. Think. Let's let's put some words together. I'll help. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, where where are you right, right, where are you right now? Go, I'll go grab a beer, you know? <laughs> where where uh, are you right now with it? Uh, I'm about 800 words into it, but I got about another 700 to go. Wow. All right. So so what what are we talking about here? Isaiah Rogers? Yes, absolutely. And uh, they're going to throw the book at him. There's no doubt. And he deserves it. He deserves it. Um, You know, I understand that there's a certain uh, obvious hypocrisy in the fact that the NFL is uh, in bed with uh, all these gambling operations, you know, the Caesars Superdome and, you know, you've got uh, the the Manning clan uh, talking with J.B. Smoo. I mean, you can't go five minutes without, you know, having an app, uh, one of these sports book apps thrown in your face, which is fine. But there's one rule, and and I, I won't get into the whole Pete Rose thing, but there was one rule for Pete. And there's one rule for NFL players, and that is don't bet on your own sport. And and if you bet on your own team, then you're opening an entirely new Pandora's box of, of potential problems. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the NFL is in bed with gambling. The Athletic has a gambling uh, sports uh, wagering vertical. We have a business relationship with BetMGM. Everybody's into it because there's a lot of money in it. Yep. But there are certain things you cannot do as a professional football player. Just as an example, you know, marijuana is legal in X number of states, but if you're playing for the Chicago Bears or the, or the Denver Broncos or you're working in a state where it's legal, you still can't do it um, or, or you're going to get popped on, on a drug screen. So. You know, there are certain uh, things that you have to give up um, to 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 do this job. And uh, I don't know what Isaiah Rogers is thinking, but he clearly wasn't. It's a Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. He is the columnist for The Athletic who is working feverishly right now to cobble feverishly. something together. It's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I said this a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm just taking it from, from my point of view here. Uh, because I, I don't know what the hell is going out there uh, and, and wires getting crossed and technology and what may or may not happen. 
I mean, the life of a football player career-wise in the NFL is short enough anyway, so I wouldn't even blank with it, Bob. I wouldn't blank with betting, you know, outside where you can or any of it because you're going to have plenty of time to do that whenever your four-and-a-half-year career is complete. Well, look, and the thing is, it's not like they're being told you can't gamble. You know, if you are not in the facility – or, you know, in the stadium or, you know, involved with the team. If you're just sitting at home or you're in a Starbucks and you want to bet on cricket, softball, and badminton, go right the hell ahead. There's nothing stopping you. And that, you know, so they're not being denied the opportunity to do what everybody else seems to do in this world. Um, They're only being asked because of the sanctity uh, of the game, the, the, you know, because you, you, you can't well, give because the, the integrity of the game that. and that's Bob you, you bring up a great point I mean that that's what's in jeopardy here if you get still you know still all these guys that get popped for this then you start wondering when the fan base is going to wonder about the integrity of the game well, and, they already do and, they and, already do and that's and, that's I mean, problematic it, all the way around absolutely it, it, you know the one thing that separates, you know, the the pro sports from pro wrestling is it's not scripted. And, you know, the, the competitive, if you don't have competitive integrity, you've got nothing. And honestly, if it turns out that he was betting on his own team and God forbid, God forbid betting on them to lose, which would be a smart bet last year. Um, then you've, you've got real troubles. Then, then, then you've got to go back and look at the film uh, of some of those unsightly losses at you know during the yeah. year, you know how was he playing? Was he was he playing hard? Was he giving full effort? I mean, this opens a whole Pandora's box, and you know people say, well, you know he bet on his own team to win. That makes it doesn't really make a difference. You know, it, there's one rule: don't bet on. So pro- when he didn't bet on his own team to win, he didn't think they were going to win. I mean, there's so, so many different exactly ways right. to look at this. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like with Pete Rose. You know, when Pete Rose did not bet his team to win, the Sharps, you know, the gambling guys, <laughs> right. they knew that he wasn't betting his team to win. So they figured there was a reason for him to lose, for, for them to lose, and they bet accordingly. And you know that that that's that's a that's a slippery slope, man. To Bob Kravitz who joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, so basically what we got today from Shane Steichen was a no comment. And then you know, the players, when asked about it, I know a couple have been on a couple of different shows on this station yesterday and earlier today, basically point to the education they are getting. So, you know, that's kind of the angle in which the Colts are taking until the investigation is complete and then they can. I'm assuming cut loose uh, after Isaiah Rogers is suspended again, reportedly of what he has done more than likely for a year. That's a guess. Oh, no is that, is that where we are with this right now? And is that what happened yeah. earlier today? Well, I asked psych and I said, look, you know, we were just out there and 34 wasn't out there. Uh, will he be away from the team until this thing is adjudicated? And he, you know, he very nicely gave me a no comment and we're, we're not, we're not talking about that, which I understand. They're in an impossible position. Uh, they need to wait until this thing is adjudicated before they can make a move. But I think we've seen the last of Isaiah Rogers uh, in a Colts uniform, and it's quite possible we've seen the last of Isaiah Rogers 
in the uniform of any NFL team. Yeah, I I will believe that part when I see. I mean, if it if it is the worst of the worst here, then I get you on that. But um, yeah. I, I'll believe that part when I see it. It just kind of seems like you'll you'll figure it out if you feel that there's a spot for him after a year, and somebody will end up finding a a spot for him. It's Bob Kravitz who joins us. So, what do you think the timetable is? I'm assuming that was asked earlier today, and I'm assuming the Colts have no idea. Correct. They, they don't. I mean, at least not. they're not sharing that publicly. My understanding is that the, the Gaming Commission here in Indiana is supposed to have a meeting uh, sometime later this week. Uh, we may get more information from that. But uh, right now it's all up in the air. But you look at the guys who've been suspended previously and – not you know they they you know some of them bet on other sports while they were in the facility, which is forbidden, but not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but you know some of them bet on football. Well, here he got a guy who was betting on his own team, and that's that's really problematic. And so I, I have every reason to believe that they will and they should come down really hard on on Isaiah Rogers and. Please, uh, to, I, I, I ask people, spare me the talk that, well, you know, the NFL is in bed with, with all these gambling uh, places. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're being asked to give up one thing. Don't bet on football. It's really not that difficult. I mean, it's just rules. I mean, we all have rules. We have rules that we don't necessarily agree with, don't we, Bob? Right. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> Bob Kravitz on the end of more. On the Motive Group Hotline. All right, I'm going to take you away, so you may have to recalibrate before I let you go here. We're two weeks and a day away from the NBA draft. Do you have any, mm-hmm. any sense of the idea, the path in which Kevin Pritchett and the Pacers will take with the myriad of selections they have, beginning with number seven overall? Yeah, I, I, I think Jerace Walker, if he's available – is a guy they're going to look long and hard at. Uh, there's another, oh, Cam Whitmore, uh, another guy they're going to look long and hard at, and uh, Taylor Hendricks uh, from UCF, uh, who I think was in today or maybe tomorrow. Yeah, he and Walker Friday. both were in at separate times today, Bob. Right, right. So I think it's going to be one of those three guys, assuming they don't move up. And I think they're going to try really, really hard to move up. But I think that's going to be – it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, th- this is a very top-heavy draft. And if they get to three or four, look out. But I, I think that would mean moving a lot of very uh, uh, very good pieces, including Miles, which I, I know makes you Come crazy. on now. So, Come on now. <laughs> no, I, I don't – I would not – look, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that he might get dealt. Can you imagine the level of pissiness I will be? I think you will. What? (laughs) The level of pissiness that I'm going to be if that happens. I know. I know. I'm going to yell at everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't do that. You're supposed to be a pleasant human being. (laughs) No, I I just, I I still think there's that possibility. Uh, If they can move up, you know, I mean, teams are not going to do it for nothing. And, you know, who who are they going to move? Duarte? I mean, you know, you you you're going to need to include a miles in a deal like that. I'm not saying he will get dealt. I'm just saying that it's not beyond the sh- it's not beyond uh, possibility. 
I don't think. I'm I'm curious what you think, and then I'll cut you loose and, and get back to write the rest of that column. Is Do you think that they view this team right now with still going with the youth movement that they started with and, you know, trying to maybe even look further down the road and you know, making sure that they still have, you know, picks and leverage and all that? Or do you think that maybe with what they saw last year that they would put some of those assets that they created to good use and try to bring somebody in with already NBA type of experience, meaning, Bob, that they believe that they're yeah. closer than what they originally thought they were? I, you know, I, I don't get a sense either way from them. I can tell you what I think they should do is stay on the on the young course. I think they should continue, uh, you know, gathering up assets, you know, to go, you know, use some of those assets to grab a guy who's a five, six year veteran. I, I'm not sure what that does for them, but I, I'm all about moving up in the draft. You know, uh, I, I do think there are, you know, if they do go the free agent route, they got plenty of money. So maybe there's somebody they can pick up there. But uh, I don't think they look at this and say, we're going to be a playoff team next year. So let's, let's uh, you know, get it done right now and, and get, get ourselves some veterans in here. I, I don't believe that. Well, and while I certainly um, respect your opinion, I think that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I respect your opinion, but you're totally wrong. <laughs> I, well, I am so I, – I can't – you heard me when I brought you on talking about the Reds, and, hey, they're entertaining, but they're not always very good. I, no. I am sick of the teams that I follow being described as that. Yeah, I yeah. just I just think that you kind of you're like on uh, naked and afraid. You're, you're trying to start a fire, and you created a fire. I think now you can do some different things and expedite this process without damaging the longer term future. Yeah, That's just could. my thought. You could, and it's going to be look. This this is a very very important. We say this every year, but this is a really important off season for the Pacers because they do have the three first round picks. They got the high second round pick. Uh, they got. Twenty-five, thirty million dollars in cap space. Uh, there's a lot they can do, and I hope they do a lot. I mean, I, I hope this is a a very active off season. You know, now do I do I want them to go after a veteran uh, who maybe can help them now, but won't be part of the program three, four years from now? Probably not. But you know, if there's somebody, a young player. Um, who has still has more of an upside? Hell yeah, I'd, I'd do it in a heartbeat. You write your own headlines for your columns? I do not. I do not because I suck at that. I thought. May, I mean, this this may be too harsh. I thought you might go with the. You bet he's done with the Colts. No. <laughs> I no? like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, they're they're you know if this radio thing doesn't work out. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no. Well, listen. There's not much more to fall back on here. Yeah, Bob. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't write my own heads. Uh, I'm just not very good at them. All right, man. I'm gonna let you got 800 words to get this bad boy done. So get back to it. Get to work. All right, buddy. I will. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, heavy discussion on his uh, prepubescent acne back in the day. 
saw Kevin Bowen in the morning show, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So, what? What? Why did you guys start talking about your acne? Why? What happened? Yeah, I. Um, I feel like the Miami Heat reminds me of my uh, acne back at Clay Junior High. The Miami Heat reminds you of your acne. Okay. Mm-hmm. Further explanation way, necessary. You know, I've, 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 I've popped the pimples. I've, I've thrown a little cream on it. I feel like I've, I've done what I've needed to do, and then uh-huh. boom, show up the next day at school, and Jenny Smith isn't talking to me because that good old zit just won't go away. That's See. the heat. That's the heat to me, John. So, you know, you're thinking, will, 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 the, will the Nuggets be a uh, very wet Stridex pad for the heat tonight? <laughs> what do you think? Well, uh, that's that's a great question. Um, I don't – I'm, like, shocked how up in the air I am on the direction of this game. I'm not, I thought Denver in five at the start of the series. But I don't know. Something about game two, something about just Miami's – undrafted dudes doing it again away from home. It's not even like Jimmy Butler had 38 or 42 in, in game two. We haven't even gotten like crazy Butler moments just yet. You, you got to think that will happen for a game or two. So yeah, for some reason that just kind of popped into my head. Did you, you have any acne issues back in the day? Um, I, You know what? If I, if I had issues with it, I, I don't know. I, I use Seabreeze sometimes. You ever use Seabreeze? No, can't say I have. Yeah, it's it's about like if you were to, um, if your dad, let's just say, had a bottle of Everclear hidden someplace and you uh, grabbed it and you put it on your face, that's the equivalent. It would get rid of the zit, but it would also burn a hole in your face. So, yes. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to get the job done, no matter what the ramifications Let me tell, tell you this, Kev. We are talking to a number of folks out there that are nodding their head in agreement, knowing that they also use their mom's sea breeze to remove a pesky blemish back in the day. This is true. Well, sea breeze. It is good to know that when Max becomes a teenager and uh, if those things start popping up, we've got the best remedy possible, it sounds like. Sea breeze. I don't even know if they make sea breeze anymore. But, I feel like I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, I mean, it could be, again, Everclear, lighter fluid, very close proximity. <laughs> <laughs> right there. Everclear. Yeah, that was probably my next best option with it. You couldn't. I tell you what, there's like, and back in the 80s, when you would use Everclear, some of these dudes would also be heavy cigarette smokers, and you got to make sure you you kept, you know, your lighter away from your recently Seabreeze face because that's problematic. Yeah, that, that that sounds like a coquelot accident waiting to happen right there. So Kevin Bowen in the morning show, 7 until 10 a.m., he and Jay Query, weekday mornings here on The Fan. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So we got what we basically thought we were going to get from Shane Steichen. And I, I can't imagine that any head coach, new or not, wants to deal with this story. And at the same time, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to deal with it as much as Shane Steichen might. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah, he, he probably looks like me. You know, he probably sounded like me today with a bunch of pimples on my face trying to talk to girls back in the day. Um, yeah, he wanted no part of it. I mean, hell, Zaire Franklin with us on Tuesday was much more expansive than 
Shane was today. I understand there's an element of you let it play out, and there's probably the NFLPA listening closely to it. But I honestly thought, whether it was Zaire Franklin with us, whether it was EJ Speed right after Shane Steichen talked today, I thought they were a little bit more, I guess, candid would be the right word, or expanded on it a little bit. I get there are certainly some questions. Yeah, and, and they they took the angle. Answer. Kevin, I, I, you can finish off. I, I wanted to add this because I want you to play off of this before you get to the end of what you're saying here is they clearly took the angle of, well, we're being well-educated about it. And that's that's how they ended up answering your question. I thought you know Zaire did a great job in doing it. I thought Alec Pierce with Greg a little bit earlier today did a great job in doing it. That's how you answer a question on a subject you don't want to answer. And they went with the angle of, well, we're being educated, and this is what happens, and that gives you, you know, the type of conversation that's necessary. That's probably why those guys were able to come on with you in a time in which an investigation is still ongoing. Yeah, and I thought EJ Speed today might have been the most blunt about it all um you know he was very i thought honest about like yeah i i listened to the education of it and pretty much i'm just like what i got from it is don't gamble it's not worth it and i think ej speed is kind of like isaiah rogers in the you know came from a smaller school day three pick uh in speed's case he's a year older than rogers so just got to his second contract we talk about a ton at stake I and mean, those two would kind of fall in a similar boat speed probably more so last year Rodgers certainly has that this year, and I'll, I'll continue to speak in the present tense, I guess, until it becomes official because I think he has played his last game in a Colts uniform. But, uh, yeah, Shane Steichen won a zero part of it. I mean, frankly, I, I think whatever a ruling from the NFL happens, I think we need to hear from Chris Ballard. I mean, Ballard's the one that drafted Rodgers. Ballard's the one that this happened under his watch. I, I'm not acting like this was part of the culture issues for the Colts last season, but – Clearly, there were some culture issues for the Colts. And again, that is under Ballard's watch. Shane Steichen got here, you know, what, three months ago? So uh, I think for those reasons, when it comes to time for a little bit more clarity on the subject, I think we need to hear from Ballard. No, I actually asked that of Stephen Holder yesterday when he was on. I said, you know, would you expect Ballard to be out there? And, And my thought was this, Kev. I thought he would be more prepared to handle. Again, those barrage of questions about this, then all ball Shane Steichen would and clearly did not want to go in depth into it whatsoever today. And yeah, you're right. I mean, not only, not only I think is he better built for answering those questions, but honestly, as the leader of this organization, he should have, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we will probably get there eventually. I, I understand from an NFLPA standpoint and a let things play out standpoint that. They want to be a little bit more reserved in it now. So I understand it. The questions were still asked today, and Shane you know, certainly tiptoed around them as he wanted to. But there will be a time, potentially very soon, that it will have to be Chris Ballard uh, speaking to this. Because Shane Steichen, I mean, to be fair to Shane, this did not happen under his watch. You know, this happened last season. So uh, he's the face of the franchise right now in a media setting. But from a leadership standpoint and from a person that – can better answer and should better answer considering, you know, this happened under his watch and he drafted this guy. It's got to be Ballard. So Kevin Bowen who joins us, and I do certainly agree with that, and he's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, by the way. I, I was thinking about it from, from this standpoint as well. You mentioned EJ Speed and what he said, and, and that's what I had initially said. And I know that there are ways in which you can do it, and it's okay with the NFL. It's within the rules, but like EJ Speed said, I wouldn't blank with it. I would not mess with it because you've got 
you know, these careers for NFL players are so short anyway. You got plenty of time to mess around with that afterwards. I mean, just don't do it now. And I think the the definition of that is going to ultimately be, especially here, what you see out of Isaiah Rogers. I mean, just don't. You'll have plenty of time to do it later on. Just don't do it on any level. Just completely stay away from it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, you know, when you when you look at Rogers, he's got two young kids. Um, if you look at where he's at contractually, you know, this is the biggest year of his NFL life. He was due to make her again. He is due to make. You know, more than $2 million this season. He hadn't made a million in any of his first three seasons. That's on an annual basis. Um, and you know what? He's got a golden opportunity for serious playing time at a position with zero answers short-term and long-term. I mean, Kenny Moore is in a contract year. You know, from an age standpoint, Isaiah Rogers is in a much better position than, than Kenny Moore. And if he were to have a nice season, you know, he could have been looking at a three-year five six million dollar deal i mean you start to add that up two and a half million this year you get into a contract that could be worth 15 16 million you know over the next couple of years i mean that's generational wealth again for a young dude that was a day three pick and a six rounder and uh has two young kids and all of that i it, it's it, it's shocking to me i i get that there's a bit of invincibility and bulletproof nature to probably all of us at a certain age um i i would venture to guess particularly some younger guys that are making that money for the first time in their lives and hell, probably any of us could say in any of our lives, but clearly whether it's EJ speed or it was Alec Pierce or Zaire Franklin, I mean, obviously 98% of an NFL locker room can adhere to it. Um, and the fact that he was having someone, uh, I believe there was a different name on the account. He clearly knew he was in the wrong when we were at least doing that aspect to it. So, um, yeah, to me, it's just a lot of stupidity. Do you hear much about how he ended up getting caught? Uh, I did not. I, I assume, and again, this is probably something we can speak to a little bit more when there's a clear picture. I assume there's some sort of geolocation in regards to placing bets at the team facility that indicate that. I, I don't know the degree the technology can go to, but you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken – the gambling apps have to report something to the NFL if certain locations uh, place bets or if even certain numbers. Obviously, this would be some sort of you know computer system that 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 reads this and yeah. issues those alerts. So I don't know if it was location, aka he placed bets at the team facility, or if it was his number associated with the account, and you get flagged if you place a bet on an NFL game or on the Colts versus placing a bet on or maybe you actually you know, hit the wrong team. button or maybe you actually hit the wrong button and uh <laughs> I mean, there's so much there's no way in the world kev i'd mess with that none in that situation no, no. and look i mean we all have vices and 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 what but to jeopardize you know if you do the math two some million this year golden opportunity to start you know 15 to 18 million coming up in the next three years i mean that was very realistic of him signing a second contract. I, I thought he, again, I think he is a promising player. Um, he, he's at a position that there's just zero definite, zero, you know, locked in guys moving forward. Um, I, I would like to think 24 year old me with, you know, a couple of young kids could see that the agent of him would educate him and seeing that. And if there was any temptation whatsoever, 
uh, you make sure those apps are uh, off the phone. Yeah, I'd be a mess. I'd have been a mess. So at that age, there's there's no doubt. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not acting like there would there would be temptations that I would have you know thought about and 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 whatever dangled in. But you know, again, I'm sure there's one of these on every NFL team, but there's 50 some dudes that aren't doing it. So you know, resist the urge, talk to them. Um, David Thornton's in that building. There are other avenues around. And hell, if you are just uber uber crazy about it find the discreet button boy and have them push the buttons for you with their own phone and toss a venmo at them a couple of times a month if you're really that that obsessed with it hey kev we have people boycotting nearly everything seemingly daily and i kind of giggle when i when i see it right because it's daily now i'm boycotting this and boycotting that and you know those that uh you know spoke regarding the cancel culture or those that are uh, involved in the cancel culture right now that being said i'm curious are you boycotting the pga and golf for the foreseeable future or are you just going to move on yeah i, I- no, I, I, I will not boycott. I, I will say that um, I feel a bit uneasy about it, um, knowing what the goal is out of the Saudis with all of this and that there is certainly an element of sport washing with what the PGA Tour is doing. Um, you know, maybe I should just live a little bit more in reality and realize there's scandal in FIFA and I watch the World Cup. There's scandal in the Olympics and I watch the Olympics. Uh, I tend to think the Saudis' involvement with 9-11, um, I don't know, maybe hits a little bit closer to home and, and it just – Really bothers me how all of this played out. Um, I think Jay Monahan is, you know, really kind of a soulless hypocrite in, in how he went about everything and how public he was involving the 9/11 families. And now to turn his back on that because a couple of zeros were tacked on or an extra comma was thrown in there, it, again, just defines uh, soulless and defines being a hypocrite. And I think you can put both of those those together. Um, I am very, very curious, like, what all this looks like. I mean, when that press release was sent out yesterday, it was very vague. I mean, first off, it was a handshake agreement. Um, still have to be decided and voted upon by the PGA Tour Policy Board. I was texting with a guy who's on tour last night, and he was like, Well, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. Who's this person that's on tour? Well, I, I, I told him I would withhold his, ah. his, his name, but, but, but just wanted to get his honest thoughts on it and he was like yeah I, I, I'm looking at this and I'm like I think it's good overall for the game of golf considering the cash flow coming into it but like is live done um, where are the exact like details about what the tour is going to look like moving forward and then again like the policy board has got to vote on this like it's not necessarily an ND and who is controlling the policy board moving forward is it the Saudis and they can put people on their board that they would like to be on their board or will it be mostly PGA tour members, which is how it has typically been in the past. So I am just from a pure golf standpoint, you know, okay. Are you going to have more team events? Is it going to be more of a global tour? Um, all, All of those things. But what I love loved about the PGA tour is I think it's a meritocracy. I think guys like Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler they all have had to earn their spot on the tour. And Scotty Scheffler was playing the version of AAA golf on the Corn Ferry, you know, buy.com tour is what it used to be called, web.com tour, just a couple of years ago. And he earned his way through that, got his PGA Tour card, and boom, now he's, you know, one of, if not the best player in the world. Whereas I look at Live Golf and I tend to think that is just simply 
um, the biggest booster of a college program saying, I'll give you 200 grand or I'll give you whatever, two, 2.5 million. You've renamed the weight room for me, but also put my son on the team as a walk-on. Or if Roger Penske all of a sudden said, yeah, uh, the Ray Hall name uh, is so whatever prominent in this sport. Graham Ray Hall is going to be in every ND for 500 for the next 25 years and never has to earn a spot. That's how I view live golf. I, I just don't think it's a true competition. And that, that kind of bothers me as a viewer of sport. Uh, so those are kind of my issues in, in, in two different categories. Again, morally, uh, there's probably an element, like I can hear people that would say, get over it. Welcome to 2023 and how money works. And there's dirty money everywhere. Again, I tend to think it's really dirty money. And that does bother me. But from a competition standpoint, uh, and as someone that just loves sport and how the PJ Tour has kind of gone about things, I, I, I hated the model that Live Golf had. So, Kev, yesterday, Ted Bishop was along with me, who was the 38th president of the PGA of America, and suggested maybe, and again, you know, this, as you mentioned, it was very vague yesterday. So, you know, I had everybody kind of you know, picking sides for good reason here and those that were, were disappointed in the actions. And, and Ted kind of mentioned maybe – a long-term view of the PGA saw, you know, maybe a a financial plan for the future that would be going awry. You know, maybe you know they they could not you know, continue to do what they were doing uh, with the present financial situations. And again, that was just kind of a guess. Do you have any guesses as to why, other than just uh, kind of like Wall Street and Bud Fox to Gordon Gecko, how many yachts? Uh, is there for you to water ski behind when is enough enough? And as we always find out, it's never enough. Yeah, I think Ted's spot on there. I think it all came down to money. Um, and the analogy is probably poor considering the Saudis history, but I think it's a little bit of a, they have guns in the gunfight and the PJ tour had knives and sooner or later, you just have to cave to the bully. And that's what I think this happened. The money just got too sweet. And again, the live, I think the Saudis realized that the live tour, like it was poor from a rating standpoint. There were guys that didn't love playing on, on that tour. They'd expressed that several members of their leadership team had been stepping down. They were losing lawsuits in court. You know, they were struggling in the actual product itself where they weren't struggling is where the PGA tour is again, quote unquote, struggling. When you compare it to live money, they had money. And the PJ Tour wants more of that money. And so that's why I think you're seeing this merger. And I say that in quotes happen because, again, I still think we're so early in this. We are one lap into a 200-lap race in terms of what do the details look like and how does this all play out. I mean, Rory McIlroy today was, I thought, very vocal. I, I thought he did a really nice job laying it all out there. But he was pretty vocal and like, you know, these guys that are coming back from live, I, I still think that there will be punishment for them. That's what Rory was saying. You can't pretend like you know nothing has happened and they harmed the tour and they brought litigation. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I'll believe that when I see it, that whatever, Dustin Johnson has to sit out for a year because he took that money, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I thought Rory ultimately just said, you know, this is kind of where the world is and certainly where sport is where money just reigns and money doesn't talk, not undefeated or excuse me. It doesn't talk. It, it doesn't win. It is undefeated. I mean, it, it, it's bigger than all of that. And I think bigger picture, John, I, I don't think we're necessarily there right now, but you know, if you were the owner of the 
Oakland Athletics or the owner of, I mean, hell, if you're Roger Penske or if you are a, not one of the NFL owners, but an owner of a prominent sports league and or franchise, you had to be looking at yesterday's headline thinking, wow, like when are they going to call me and how am I going to react to that? Because I think it's only a matter of time before they continue to infiltrate or try to infiltrate, you know, this hemisphere and professional sports and try to tap into you know, getting a seat at the table with, you know, the, the companies that the PJ Tour, for example, already has partnership with it. So, I mean, I, I would think in the next five to ten years, probably not the NFL because it's such a fraternity of owners, but once that generation turns to the next generation, um, I, I would think certainly Major League Baseball, I think, would have some sort of Saudi ownership push uh, in the next handful of years. Yep, it's never, ever going to be enough, Kev. Never, ever going to be enough have you seen this the the nba expansion city odds have you seen those odds Ooh, no i have no i have not is i would guess seattle would be high up there uh las vegas plus 150 seattle plus Ooh, 250 uh where's louisville plus 950 so basically a close to 10 percent chance Can you imagine here's what surprises me yeah, obviously, is, is Vegas and Seattle make the most – what's that? Is Louisville third? Does it go in, in that No, Mexico Seattle City. Way? Mexico City's plus 650. Got it. So, mm. here's what surprises me. Nashville's way down at plus 1,200, which basically is, you know, nearly 8% opportunity. Now, I know Vegas is first on the list for a reason. Seattle is right there, too, uh, because of what they used to have and because, obviously, of their marketplace. But, man, I am surprised that Nashville is not higher on that list. Yeah. Um, yes. But, well, I would assume Bridgestone could offer – I mean, don't they play, like, NCAA tournament game? Isn't the SEC tournament at that Bridgestone arena? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, already, yeah. 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 I mean, the thing that the Pacers benefit from, and again, I, I hate it. I don't know you, you and I both talk about this. You know, when the Pacers face a opposing team that has a star player, every kid that is a fan of that star player from Cincinnati, Louisville, St. Louis, that's the closest NBA game yeah. to them. So they're going to drive in for it. Obviously, if you throw a team in Nashville, you throw a team in Louisville, that would be – a bit different. You know, I kind of thought that at some point you would get like a Vegas and or Seattle and yeah. then you would just bump like Minnesota and New Orleans. I'm trying to think geographically. You would just bump like Minnesota, New Orleans over to the east and then boom, there's your 16 and 16. Yeah, I just I, I want I kind of hope that both Vegas and Seattle are out of the way relatively soon because I'm a non-believer in Mexico City and Louisville. We'll be all be long dead by the time any of that crap happens, I think. But I'd, I'd like to <laughs> I'd like to be just be I mean, you always kind of look in the rear view, don't you a little bit and kind of wonder. Sure. I, I'd like to see Vegas and Seattle get the hell out of the way. Well, I, and get get I would get say, a franchise and move forward. So yeah, I'd say a couple of things. I mean, expansion versus relocation, obviously, is two different things. So th- that would be curious. I, I'd say two things, and I don't want to speak for Jake, but I know Jake has brought this up before. There's a bit of concern. Uh, concern might be too aggressive a statement, but curiosity about Louisville's NBA future and the Pacers' impact on that. Um, and, and so you know, with the Yum Center and how all of that plays out. That would be interesting. Again, I know here the contract with the CIB, if I'm not mistaken, is, you know, for many, many years moving forward, you know, the ability to break that contract. I don't know the legal, you know, 
parameters around that and whatnot, but to me, given those odds that you just laid out there, Vegas and Seattle would seem to make obvious, obvious sense to me. No doubt about that. All right, so you had Walker. Before I let you go, Walker and Hendricks in today. If you're going to have your choice between one or the other, I'd go Walker here. Where would you go? Walker and Hendricks? Yeah. Are we talking – I'm not following that. No, they're in for the Pacers for a workout today. Oh, gosh. for This is where my brain's at right now. I thought you were going back to uh, to handling pimples. Man. No, oh, you've, you've been messing you've yeah. been, you've been messing around with a little sticky icky there, I think, up, up, <laughs> up there around the Michael, near north side this afternoon a little bit. Yeah, you kind of lost your mark a little bit. I got it. I got it. Michael goes, I definitely use Seabreeze as a uh, teenager. <laughs> a little Seabreeze on a cotton ball goes a long, long, long way. That's how, you, find, that's how you found That's how you found out you had a series of uh, really bad acne. If you if you had to go to the Seabreeze, <laughs> that was your last resort. <laughs> uh, I like both those guys. I like Walker and, and I like Hendricks. I, I'm a little bit of a, I think you're to the point where you have some really, really important puzzle pieces. Now you need to kind of fit into that puzzle. Um, I love Walker's just like physicality. And yes. He looks like an NBA ready guy um, right away. Hendricks could probably stretch the floor a little bit more consistently, which is always something that's paramount in the NBA. But for a team that was one of the worst defensively, one of the worst rebounding, I think both guys are good defenders. I think Walker would provide a little bit more of a, he just looks like a dude you want on your team. And I know it's kind of maybe a stupid reason to want him, but I, I would think he'd bring a level of uh of toughness that would be a nice compliment to what you have right now. But I, I would I'd be totally content if the seventh pick came from one of those two guys working out today. So what do you think too? They're gonna pick seventh and then parlay some of these picks into future leverage, future assets, which I hate by the way, or maybe try to parlay that into a uh, either a, another higher player in the draft or maybe an already established player that could help them in the present. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like grouping the picks together and doing something with it. I, I tend to think Kevin Pritchard would be a little bit more open-minded to getting a future pick, although the, I know that makes you mad. I think oh, I hate it. I don't know, too many guys kind of hovering around the same area financially could be a concern. I wouldn't mind trying to get back in the mid-teens and seeing what could be there. And obviously maybe you wait till the board starts to fall here in a couple of weeks before you, before you do that. Um, but I, I do kind of like the idea of packaging those picks and either going veteran route or moving up. Cause I, I look at your roster right now. and don't think it's quantity anymore. I think it's quality. And that's where uh, I'm good with, you know, shrinking the, the, the five picks that you have and uh, you know, maybe two, maybe three, or looking into what is out there from a veteran standpoint. And the beautiful thing about the Pacers, and they've benefited from this several times in recent years, they're in such a great cap-friendly situation that teams get desperate. And sometimes they've got to kind of shell guys off from a financial sense, a cap sense. I think Buddy Heald was honestly a little bit of that for Sacramento. And look what he's turned into for the Pacers. So that's where you can kind of insert yourself and be like, hey, you guys need help? We can provide that help, but we're going to need something. And if you can get something substantial in in return, uh, I'd be all ears. Pacers bringing in tomorrow, workout-wise, by the way, former UCLA guard Tiger Campbell. I think his name is City Sissoko from the Ignite of the G League. 
Marquise Noel, who had an incredible NCAA tournament for Kansas State, Ben Shepard of Belmont, Hunter Tyson of Clemson, and the uh, often-traveled Jalen Wilson of Kansas in for the Pacers coming up tomorrow. Mm, it's an interesting group. Campbell, um, he went to uh, whatever the prep school is up in LaPorte, if I'm yep. not mistaken, and um, gosh, Noel had that Kemba Walker-type run. Oh, he was fantastic, yeah. Outside of Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, you know, Jalen Wilson was certainly one of the names. Drew Timmy up there for you know, first team All American, National Player of the Year. So that's the thing about the Pacers is all these picks, John, they kind of have to cover all their bases. And, you know, yep. in a guy like Jordan Wara's case, you get two years, three years into the league, and a guy made a strong impression on you in the draft process. You weren't able to pick him, but you did enough intel, you feel good about it, and you, and you bring him in here a couple years later. So I think that's some of the benefit, or at least some of the homework you're trying to do right now. I can hear it right now. Somebody saying on draft night that Jalen Wilson can score on a variety of levels. I hear it right now. <laughs> Multi-level <laughs> score. Did Phyllis just say that on the set? Yeah, you just yeah. There's no doubt. You just say that to waste about three and a half seconds of time. I mean, you can just say he can score, and that'll be adequate, right? I mean, he scored yeah. different levels. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is probably a little bit nerdy, although I, I probably said that prior. All right. Well, hey, get back to whatever you're doing this afternoon that kind of got you off the beaten <laughs> path a little bit right there, too. Good zit conversation with Jake Query this morning. You know that guy's never had a zit in his life probably, right? So, well, I don't know. Him. He keeps on pouring the, the, that cologne all over his body. Those pores can't stay clean forever. <laughs> Well, doesn't he do the uh, – I can't imagine – doesn't the uh, – what's that uh, spray tan stuff that he does? That, I'm sure that probably yeah, clogs the pores, right? He's probably got zits all over his body. Body zits. Take that, take that into a dermatologist. He'll put you in a hazmat suit walking out of their office. <laughs> all right, buddy. Have a great rest of the week. Appreciate you. Bye, right, John. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of director of athletics, that is one gig. Uh, his side gig, his side hustle with Ron Colley, however, is winning state titles with the softball team. Dave Lauk is the head coach of the Royals going for their third consecutive. He joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Not a bad side hustle you have down there on the south side, Dave. Uh, it's not too bad, JMB. Not too bad. Man, especially when you get a group like that. I get to see that up close and personal, not from a softball standpoint, but from um, a responsibility, respectability standpoint, just being human beings. And I, I've never been more impressed with a group of kids than when I'm, especially Keegan, when you know I met her at the Aurora event. I mean, it's just like it's another day, another student. There's just not a lot of fanfare. They're just going about your business and enjoying being a high schooler. That is so great to see. Well, that's a great point you bring up, and that's something that I was going to bring up is it is a group of kids that um, have been fortunate uh, the last few years to just be high school kids and uh, high school student athletes and, you know, losing their freshman year, specifically the spring sport athletes, uh, losing that freshman year where they couldn't play, um, I think helped uh, put a lot of things in perspective for them. And so um, this is a group coming through here that um, has enjoyed their high school experience and um, just been a lucky coach. 
This had to have been incredibly enjoyable. And when you got into this, coaching them up, did you see this from this group? Did you see that path kind of planned out? Did you see it start to form, take shape, or were you just kind of sideswiped by this level of success and really high school level professionalism from a great group of kids? Uh, wasn't really slide swiped. No, we knew, um, you know, we, we, we hold camps in the summer and uh, when we can in the winter and uh, for, for, for younger kids. And so we kind of have an idea of what's coming up the pipeline. And then myself or any of our assistant coaches uh, can, can, can follow them in the summertime and even in the fall if they're playing fall softball. Uh, so we, we had a pretty good idea of this group coming through and uh, knew it would be pretty special. And it's, it's, we're, we're pretty fortunate at school. A lot of kids do end up here at Ron Colley High School, and um, they're, they're very talented student-athletes. And, uh, but, you know, this group we knew was kind of on the radar going back when they were 6th, 7th, 8th grade, and we thought, man, if, if they do all end up at Ron Colley High School, this is going to be a fun run. Yeah, and ultimately that happened, and there you go. Dave Lauk is the head coach of the Royals, and you guys get Penn coming up with that 4A, 4A title, right? Yeah, yeah, we do. And they uh, they uh, put it to us pretty good in mid-April. Uh, we played them up in Carmel, and um, uh, we got off to a good start against them. But uh, from that good start, everything went pretty south from there. Uh, and uh, that's a testament to their team and and the talent level that they have. So um, I I would say that you know we played 34, 35 games, and Penn is the best team we played in the regular season. So it's only uh, it's it's only right that we get to see them in a championship game, and that's the way it should be. Well, will you play that lineup wise, pitching wise, all of the above in this game coming up this weekend? Will that be the, the same as is the one that you saw in that loss earlier in the year, Dave? Uh, uh, similar. Um, <clears throat> so when we played, um, when we played them, Keegan Rothrock had pitched earlier in that day, and so and got a shutout against Tecumseh, who's playing in the one A state championship game. Very good team, coached by uh, Gordon Wood down there, and uh, and and she beat them, and um, and she was kind of still on an inning limit. Um, and so we told her she wasn't going to pitch against Penn, and that didn't go over well. But anyway, um, wait, 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 well, well, hold on. I got to hear how this didn't go over well before you finish off this story, Coach. Tell me a little <laughs> well, about it. I mean, you know, it, it, you've gotten to know Keegan, and yeah. she wanted the ball. <laughs> yeah. And uh, our team wants to win. They they're used to winning, and and we knew it'd be a good competitive game against Penn. But um, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, we, we uh, the coaching staff made a decision that we're not going to start her against Penn, and uh, and so we didn't. And our other pitchers did a great job, doing the best they could uh, at the time. And and again, we went up three zero on them in the first inning. And I thought, all right, we're gonna we'll be able to keep this going, maybe score four, five, six runs. And the plan was to put Keegan back in in the fifth, sixth, or seventh inning and and finish it off. But uh, to Penn's credit. They piled on some runs quickly uh, against us, and it just kind of got out of hand. So I was in the dugout kind of waving a white flag like, enough, we're done. Uh, we'll see you in the state championship. Now, did you did you handle that at the beginning of that matchup, knowing what could be the end of the season matchup? I knew that Penn would be one of the two or three teams that would come out of the north, um, but that really didn't come into play. It was more about um, just the health and safety of Keegan, and she pitched a fantastic game just two or three hours prior to that in that day. 
And um, and we were just we, – we didn't know. We didn't know exactly what she'd be able to handle. We knew what she could handle because she did it multiple times as a sophomore and a, and a junior. Um, but coming off the injuries that she had, we weren't exactly sure and we didn't want to push things too early and put her in a position to get hurt again that would uh, be det- detrimental to her in May or June. And so – it was it was intentional and it was tough. Again, this group has not been used to losing, um, and I'm, I'm okay with them losing as a as a head coach and a, and a and a person that's been around athletics my whole life. Losing is not always a bad thing. So um, we did. It was intentional. We're like it, whether it was Penn or Ben Davis or whoever we were playing. Um, that she wasn't going to throw in that game, and so um, or at least at the beginning of the game. And uh, so we stuck with our plan. We lost. Hats off the pen. And uh, it's just kind of another good thing here for us, motivationally. Uh, we lost to Avon earlier in the year. She didn't pitch the whole game. We turned around and beat them in the regional. She didn't pitch in the whole game against Penn. Uh, she didn't pitch at all against Penn. We lost to them. Now, so, so we're seeing them again. So it has added a little bit of motivational factor for us leading up to this game. Oh, so yeah, I got you right there. That's that's how you're working there. But at the moment, it's probably not great, you know, having to uh, to face somebody that wants the ball and thinks you're making the the wrong decision as head coach. I'm assuming no. probably right there. That probably no. wasn't great. So yeah. No, it, but Keegan is a mature kid. Yeah. And uh, the experience that she has and the experiences that her and I have gone through over the last three years, uh, she knew in the back of her mind, I have to think that she knew in the back of her mind that it was it was for her safety and for her health. And uh, we'll move on, and uh, we're just ex- extremely fortunate now to be in the position we're in. It's, uh, Dave Locke's the head coach of the uh, softball Royals of Ron Colley going for their third state title 4a 7p versus Penn. uh that is coming up on on saturday um certainly I, I don't know the rules on how often you can pitch you know your your star pitcher in this case what are those rules um in softball you can you can pitch every game every inning um wow. there, there are no restrictions whatsoever so it's up to the coach it's up to the depth of the team up to matchups um, so unlike baseball, you know, I, I had a chance to, to, to meet with AJ Zapp today, uh, whose son is at, at Center Grove, and they were getting ready to play for a semi-state, and we were talking pitching matchups and all that stuff, and how that could work out for for baseball. Uh, so that was a cool conversation to have about uh, with with AJ. But I thought uh, Z- Z- did he try to sell you some gear as well at the same time? He tried to sell yeah, you some gear. Yeah, yeah, he was late on a couple orders, so uh, we got a couple some free uh, gear from BSN and Nike. So thanks, AJ. No, nah, AJ's a good dude, man. Good dude, good family right there. And obviously, yeah. uh, if his son's anything like like he was as a baseball player, that's solid. Yeah, yeah, no, no AJ and I go way back, and so, um, but it, it was it was interesting that. Um, yeah, baseball has a whole different uh, uh, standards and rules and stuff on pitching innings and pitch counts, as they should. Uh, but softball has not adopted that yet. So you can ride your whole, you know, your number one pitcher uh, the whole time, and that's what we've done. Keegan's picked up uh, five wins here in the uh, in the tournament and, and just been phenomenal. So Dave Lauk, he's the head coach of Ron Colley. All right, so um, I, I think I asked you this last year as well. I can't remember. Uh, Softball-wise, how long are you going to keep this thing going? 
You know, even past when once Keegan gets down to Gainesville, Florida, and has a collegiate career, and obviously you're going to graduate some players. I know you have some also coming up, but how much longer you plan on doing it down there? Well, that's a good question because uh, you've got a son that's pretty good at football and is <laughs> going to be in a different state playing football at some point. Maybe already be there. That's Trevor Lack, who I'm talking about right now. Offensive lineman's going to Iowa. I just was kind of curious your thoughts on that moving forward. Well, the funny thing there is, uh, him and my wife are planning on going straight to Iowa City from West Lafayette. So uh, to move him in with uh, Leighton Jones, uh, the wrestling. Uh, a football player and wrestling state champ from Brownsburg. They're going to be roommates uh, at, at Iowa, so that's pretty cool there. Um, but they're planning on heading straight over to Iowa City from West Lafayette, saving about three or four hours of driving. Uh, gets me out of moving him in. Um, cool. Well done. Yeah, kind of cool, Jambi, but uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see how that all works. We'll see how that all works out, but. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I love coaching. That's my passion. Um, I'm fortunate to be the athletic director of Rock College, too. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my, my passion is still coaching, and we do. We have a great group this year, and, and um, we have a great, great group of underclassmen that uh, I would love to continue coaching. Awesome. Well, keep it going. The best of luck to you coming up on Saturday as well until uh... – Trevor, uh, the same thing for him as he heads up uh, to start working out and getting ready for uh, his football up in Iowa City with the Hawkeyes. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, man. You're, you're a great dude. I enjoy the time when we talk when I see you over there. And, uh, yeah, go out and make a little history coming up on Saturday night. Well, that's the plan, JMV. And uh, first thing tonight, we're going to Irea's, actually. Oh, there uh, you go. There you go. Yeah, team dinner. It's been a tradition here the last few years, and they treated us really well. So we're going to Irea's uh, tonight, and uh, you know I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna remind the girls no betting on the game. And, yes, uh, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, and, and tell Dom, tell Dom, we said hello over there too at Irea's, and go for the pasta primavera. Always awesome. Oh, yes. Sounds good to me, man. Sounds good to me. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten anything today. So. Well, and congratulations on all, all that's happened so far. And again, the best of luck to you coming up. And uh, wait, how did you, what's Strykowski doing going to Florida? What the hell's happening there? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think he's being pulled maybe by his wife a little bit, but I can't speak for sure on that one. Um, but uh, my gosh, if you have the opportunity, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I would I would reserve the right to want to return maybe but no I yeah. uh, I understand what yeah. you're talking about there so no, he's been uh he's yeah, been great he's been, yeah he's been great uh, putting over 20 years of coaching and teaching around Collie and uh I know you guys have been in touch so I appreciate that but yep. yeah we're gonna he's gonna be a big hole to fill there all right, well, go get him. It's Penn and Ron Colley as the Royals go over their third straight coming up at 7 o'clock. That's on Saturday up in Lafayette, the girls' softball finals in 4A. Dave Locks, the head coach of the Royals, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Best of luck, Dave. Stay in touch. Thanks, man. All right, take care, buddy. 